Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, Duke fans, and welcome to episode number 582 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. We are coming to you after Duke puffs it out, squeaked by the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. 84-79 was the final score. They move to 13-3 and on the season, 4-1 and in the ACC. We are here to recap everything that happened. First off, I am Donald Wine. I am your host for this episode. Jason Evans is in Atlanta. He was not at the game, but he is our resident ATLian. Jason, how are you doing this morning? Yeah, the, the game was not in Atlanta, Donald. So I, I did not you, go. You, although, the, yeah. although uh, deep tease, I will be going in early February to back-to-back games. We have a Saturday, Monday against uh, BC and Wake, I believe it is. And I'll be going to both of those contests. I'll be up in Durham. And we're going to see. Uh, we may have something to announce. We may have something interesting to announce about that weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll wait on that for now. Yeah, I am. I'm hoping to join you for one of those games. And we can, you know, people can see maybe if they can link up with us in person. But before we get started with the recap, just a fair warning from my point. I am here outside Detroit, Michigan. It's Sunday, January 14th. Of course, the Detroit Lions are in the playoffs tonight. I am going to the game. So uh, Jason can see I'm dressed in my my Lions Honolulu blue. You're representing, baby. Yeah, I'm representing. But the reason why I say this is because I am at a house with uh, my friends from soccer who graciously put me up for the weekend and their power went out. Yes, on, on Friday. So we've been out for about two days now. It is unfortunate that the power is still out. It's 51 degrees currently inside the house. It is seven degrees outside the house. So I'd much rather still be inside the house. But I say that to say I wasn't able to watch the full game, Jason. I was able to watch part of it. I caught some of it on uh, the Duke uh, Basketball Network. So that was cool. Shout out David Shoemate uh, for, for keeping me in line and able to follow the game that way and also follow the game via highlights and and checking the score where I could because I haven't had power. So with that, Jason, we, we were talking before the show, and I'm leading this this thing because this game was a game of details. There's a lot of things that happened, and even from me following and from uh, friends chiming in uh, via text on what was going on, there was a lot to take in from this game. But we start with the headlines. So, Jason, I know you collected some of those headlines. Give me some of the best headlines that we got from the listeners out there. Yeah, absolutely. And and by the way, after we do the headlines, before we get to the good and the bad, um, I want to talk a little bit about what it was for Duke to win this game and what this week was like. There, it was just a, it was a very interesting week in college basketball. And I, I think there's some perspective that matters for Duke. But in terms of the headlines, um, I start with one of our best headliners, Anthony Sherry, who always, always provides us with some interesting content. Anthony said his headline, Duke needs to go down under to sting back at tech. There's a reference there to Tyrese Proctor, who had his best game uh, in quite some time. Uh, Certainly (laughs) best game since he got injured against Georgia Tech. Uh, The down under reference there. I like that, Anthony. Jared Strauss, another guy who sends us a lot of good headlines. Duke dodges second sting. I like that. I thought that was very good uh, Mm -hmm. for Georgia Tech. By the way, Jared noted that despite the fact that Kyle Filipowski scored 30 points in this game, Jared thought he was too much a focus of the offense and he struggled finishing, you know, sort of his bully ball moves in the post. And Jared, I agree with you. When we get into the good and bad from this game, I'll talk about Kyle Filipowski, both in the good and in the bad. Chris Immershine, Duke misses the mark on D, but Young is a smart old man and Kyle flips out. I love misses the mark. (laughs) 
Duke, yep. Duke missed Mark Mitchell. Boy, did Duke miss Mark Mitchell. Uh, Lynn Lucas, who, by the way, was a president of the Duke pep band for a couple of years and is now a grad school uh, usher line monitor in law school. Lynn Lucas gave us 30 for 30. Now, look, I've I've seen a lot of that. There are a lot of folks. Kyle Filipowski's that was number, great. Kyle's numbers number 30. Kyle, Kyle scored 30 points. I've seen a lot of that, but I, I just want to shout out Lynn, who who's not emailed us many times in the past, but anyone who's put a couple of years in on the prep band and is now a line monitor, they get a shout out on the DBR for sure. Van Morris gave us this one, and Paul Downing gave us very, something very similar. I'll do them back-to-back. Van Morris's was, the proctor is in. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul Downing said, Proctor the doctor stung Duke overcomes injury to defeat Georgia Tech. I, I thought that was excellent. Uh, you know, Duke needed all of Tyrese Proctor because Mark Mitchell was out. Jeremy Roach got hurt. It was This was a, a really tough game for Duke to, to gut out. And Donald, this is what I sort of wanted to to mention before we get to the good and the bad. Indulge me for a moment, if you would, sir. Sure, go ahead. Uh, so let me start with this. Duke struggled on defense in this game. There's no question about that. For the folks who are upset, who are frustrated, who say we should have handled a mediocre Georgia Tech team better than this, especially at home, you're not wrong. But at the same time, do you think that maybe Mark Mitchell would have made a difference in Duke's struggles on defense? I mean, come on. He is almost unquestionably the best defender on this Duke team. He is arguably, I don't know, one of the top two or three defenders in the entire ACC. And the fact that Duke didn't have him is a lot of why we struggled to figure out how to guard Georgia Tech. There's no question about that. So we're missing Mark Mitchell. We're partially missing Jeremy Roach for, for portions of this game. Georgia Tech, regardless of what Duke was doing on defense, Georgia Tech was having a ridiculous game on offense. Tech does not Tech was hitting hit 55% of their three-pointers. They're just not that. You could leave them wide open, and they wouldn't ordinarily hit 55% of their threes. They had an aberrant game. So maybe this wasn't all like Duke sucks. Duke, you know, isn't going to be a Final Four contender. Maybe this was just Duke found a way to win on a day when two key players were injured and the opponent was playing out of its mind. And that's a really good thing. And Jason, it's against the team who, remember, we played them back on December 2nd. And that we've talked about how this team has become a much different basketball team, this Duke team has, since we played Georgia Tech last what happened that last game? You were there. They started out hot. They started out hitting threes. We, yeah. we were missing a guy that was uh, very great on the defensive end. We lost Harris Proctor early in the game. This time around, as you mentioned, sprained knee keeps Mark Mitchell out. So there's a lot of similarities, and you have to give Georgia Tech credit on that. It's not necessarily that we sucked or that we didn't play well. Yeah, sure, we didn't play well on defense. We, did, we struggled you know, mightily at, at certain points of the game. But you have to give Georgia Tech credit because in both contests, they were consistent and having one of their best games of the season. They came out and really came ready to play for against us, and it showed. And, and again, sometimes you just have to chalk it up to, you know, the ball goes through. You know, some some people just all of a sudden they start throwing everything and it goes in. And that's what it felt like this game was. Everything that Georgia Tech threw up into the air, it somehow found its way into the hoop. And sometimes you got to be able to battle that, and I think this Duke team did. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other point I wanted to make, and look, I'm sure every if you're even a minor college basketball fan, you've heard about what happened this week in the top 25. Everybody lost. <laughs> here, here are the numbers. You ready? Number one, two, three, five, six, eight, nine, eleven, seventeen, nineteen, twenty-one, twenty-three, and twenty-five. Those are the teams that lost to unranked opponents. I'm not talking about, you know, like uh, uh, Kansas beat Oklahoma this week. That doesn't count. We're talking teams playing unranked opponents. I'll give you the numbers again. Ready? Count with me. 1, 2, 3, 5, 6, 8, 9, 11, 17, 19, 21, 23, 25. That's a lot of teams, Donald, mm-hmm. playing unranked opponents and failing to win. Duke didn't do that this week. It's a good week. <laughs> we went 2-0. There, but I mean, so many people I'm reading, you know, the sky is falling. Oh, this team's in trouble. No. No. Not at all. And – when you get a win against a team playing, uh, that may have been Georgia Tech's best game of the season. 55% from three, that's one of their best games of the season for sure. And they lost. That's a that's a good thing for Duke. It's not something to be lamented. And when you think about the you know grand scheme of what you just mentioned, all the teams that lost to unranked opponents, 
that were ranked in the top 25. It just shows that there are no elite teams this year in college basketball. We've been saying that for a couple weeks now. There is no elite teams in college basketball, and we are one of the good ones. So we need to, you know, celebrate the fact that, yes, we went undefeated this week. We, we, you know, played a really good game. We toughed out another one. And when everything is falling, we're still probably going to move up in the rankings because so many teams faltered where we didn't. But we leave that aside for, for a little bit. Let's go to the good. Jason, I want to start with the man in the middle, number 30, Kyle Filipowski. Career high, 30 points, 13 rebounds, four assists, two blocks, and two steals. And Jason, the biggest stat that I have, zero turnovers. That man was the man from start to finish. We talked about this week. He has had so many uh, bad starts to start the season. This week he had two games where he came out firing from all ends of the court and also was doing it on the defensive end. Kyle Filipowski, I know you're going to talk about him a little bit in the bad, but in the good, there was a lot of good that came with the name Kyle Filipowski. Donald, I'm not sure. You know, I didn't, it'd be a chore to go back and look at every box score and figure this out. And I'm, I'm guessing, you know, maybe did Zion maybe do, I, I don't know. It's hard to, hard to think of who else might've ever done this. Kyle Filipowski led Duke in every statistical, statistical category there is, or, you know, every positive one. Mm-hmm. He led the team in points. He led the team in rebounds. He led the team in assists. Now it was tied, but I'm, I'm going to count ties here. Led the team in assists. Ties or wins. Team in steals. Let, let, led the team in offensive rebounds. Led the team in field goal attempts. Let him in free throw attempts. Let him in block shots. You name it, with the exception of personal fouls. <laughs> he only had which two is, fouls. Which is great, because usually he right, exactly. had personal fouls. We didn't need that either. <laughs> uh, he Actually, he did not lead the team in minutes played. He only played 37 minutes, and uh, Jared McCain played. Jared McCain was just slightly more. Yeah. Yeah. So, other than minutes played, Kyle Filipowski led Duke in every category you could. And, yes, you're right. There are things I'm going to mention when we get to the bad that need to be addressed. But, man, in a game where Duke clearly needed, I mean, needed a big presence on the inside because we were missing Mark Mitchell, Kyle Filipowski was there the entire game. And, uh, you know, he had he had little runs where he was just unstoppable. And, by the way, four or five from, from three-point range, and I don't think I'm not sure. I don't think the four shots he hit. I don't think any of them hit rim. <laughs> they were going through smooth. So Jason, I'm great. I'm glad you brought up the three point shooting because I think that is the thing that has come about this week from Kyle Filipowski. That's really scary for the rest of college basketball. Here's what I'm. Here's what I mean. So early on in the game, I think it was like five minutes into the game, he was feeling. He had already hit like I think he was up to seven points at this point. He received the ball on the wing. And Jerry McCain was in the corner and Flip was right next to him. He just glanced towards McCain, didn't pump fake or anything, just kind of gave him a, like a quick look. And the defender that was between them just went running towards Jerry McCain. It was hysterical. I, I love that. Running and then Flip just calmly shoots and makes a three. Like this is a fantastic use of a subtle head fake to create an open shot. And he did this in the last game as well. It wasn't as pronounced as this one and it wasn't as effective, but he still was able to get the child to make it because he made every three point head last game. But this is about him figuring out that the defender has to choose between the law of averages. The defender that was in the middle between them was like, okay, Kyle Filipowski, who shoots probably 30% from three, Jared McCain, who was leading the team. He's at like 46%. Now, if you're a defender, you rightfully go, oh, I cannot leave the 48% guy open because he's definitely going to make it. But the fact that Flip is now making these is a problem for the rest of college basketball because that is just adding more confidence to the rest of his game because we know he can play bully ball. We know he can drive down and get you know get the uh, the layups and get the dunks and get the and ones, grab the rebounds and do the dirty work inside. But if he's starting to make these threes outside, that means that he is unguardable. And if he's unguardable, then that opens up the floor for just about everybody else. Or Castle Pass is going to just continue to get 25 to 30 points a game. All right. Get ready for the number, man. This week, Kyle Filipowski on three pointers, eight for nine. Yep. <laughs> That's ridiculous. We didn't miss on Tuesday. So, <laughs> on, on the season, he's up to 41% on his three pointers. In ACC play, he's at 56% on his threes. Those are silly numbers. Those are just silly. He's not going to continue that, not the 56, maybe the 41%, not the 56%, but man, yeah, 
He is. Yeah. Uh, uh, this just in player of the week is going to be Kyle Filipowski. <laughs> yep. Yep. It, 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 it won't be close. And, and that's, but I, I do want to use that transition to a guy who I thought did incredible off the bench. That's Ryan Young. 10 points, nine rebounds, two assists, one block. This man was all over the place. And when he got into the game, he brought that hockey energy. Uh, I went to a hockey game the other night. Ryan brought it on Saturday. And that's what I love about him because, again, he was able to change the dynamic of the game. I think he was also a plus nine. Uh, I think he led the team in plus minus, uh, when, which, again, we don't really look at. But that means when he was on the floor, he was incredible in making sure that we were in, involved in the league. Yeah, by the way, when I was writing my good for this game, the very first thing I wrote was Ryan Young. And, Donald, you talked about hockey. And and usually you talk about hockey shifts with Ryan Young, you know, because he comes in for those, you know, two, three-minute long stretches. That was not the case in this game. We were missing Mark Mitchell. We had to have more from Ryan Young than those hockey shifts. And in the second half, he played almost 15 minutes. And he probably didn't come out of the game at all for the final 10 minutes or so of the second half. His second half numbers, 10 points, five rebounds. His second half plus minus was plus 12. I mean, in a close competitive game, a game that was decided down the stretch, when he was in the game, Duke was significantly, significantly better than when he wasn't in the game. And it was all about his defense. I mean, everyone taught, you know, Ryan Young, you think, oh, YMCA moves, old man moves. Uh Uh-uh. This game... It was his defense because he did have the one, he did have one dunk that he got banged on, but he, he responded from that. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ken, whatever, Kenzie, that that dude. It doesn't matter who his name is. That was was sick by the way. Wow. Yeah. That that happened. But, but I think he recovered well from that. He did. He did. Uh, Look, Duke was really struggling with a pick and roll. Um, If you were listening to Randolph Childress, he was like, they're just going to keep running that pick and roll. They just going to keep that middle pick and roll. And uh, Randolph was right. That's Tech loves to do that, and that's what Tech did all game long against Duke. And we only had, for the most part, we only had Kyle Filipowski in the middle to sort of disrupt it. And it's a really tough place to put – it was a tough position to put Flip in. Ryan Young, frankly, defended it better than Flip did and also was better at figuring out ways to provide help um, when he was when he was in that pick and roll situation, Duke's defense was so much better with Ryan Young on the floor. It's almost you know I I don't have the, the the stats. I wasn't able to sort of measure the difference in it, but it was it was night and day. And there's there's just no question that Duke doesn't win this game without Ryan Young. I mean, yeah, you can say that probably about Flip. You can say that about several other guys, Tyrese Proctor, and we're going to get to Tyrese. Um, but, but, I mean, for a guy who is usually a little-used um, backup big man to to play the kind of role he did in this game, do you, on the DBR forums, on the Duke Basketball Report forums, people vote for the man of the match. And the, the last I checked the vote, Kyle Filipowski was winning the vote. And, and I, I said, he led Duke in every statistical category. Of course he's winning the vote. But you know who I cast my vote for? I cast my vote for Ryan Young. And I was not alone. There's a healthy percentage of people who went, yeah, that that dude was the reason he's the man of the match because Duke does not win without Ryan Young. And look, we bag on him sometimes, but when he comes to play, he makes a huge difference for Duke. This is probably the second game this year, at least, where there's no question Duke doesn't win it without Ryan Young just being smart. You know, he's like in his sixth year. Someone someone pointed out he's like almost as old as Jason Tatum. He's like a doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, but that experience pays huge dividends for this Duke team. You know, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, we, we talked about how the details were in this game. The reason why we won this game are the details. That is an important detail, right? The the fact that Ryan Young, if you look at the box score, you're like, okay, Ryan Young had a bunch of you know rebounds, had some points, but it didn't quite paint the story of what he brought to the team in an effort for them to win. Another guy who I think you, you mentioned him at the top, a lot of people chimed in about Tyrese Proctor and how this was his best game since he returned from injury. Now, we also have to keep in mind the other you know X factor about this is that Tyrese Proctor, of course, was hurt the last time we played Georgia Tech. He got hurt in the first minute of the game. So I know this was a game that he circled because he wanted to show, especially in the game that we ended up losing, 
he wanted to show that he could have been a difference in that game. And he was able to, you know, hit it from outside, but also he was able to provide a lot of offense and really help pace the defense. And of course, when Georgia Tech was, was hitting buckets, he was one of the guys that I saw that was calming people down, getting everybody back into the flow. I like that. Thing. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the leadership aspect, of course, he is a captain. So he was able to provide that on-court vocal leadership that was missing in his absence. Yeah, no, I I, I noted, I, I saw Tyrese Proctor being a leader out there. And make no mistake, that is a big deal for Duke. Uh, I, I think that this is a Duke team. I don't want to say that they struggle with leadership, but there aren't a. I think there aren't a lot of really vocal guys on this team. We have guys that lead by example. And, yeah, and, and that, that's great. We definitely need that, but we also need the vocal leader, and that's where he comes in. Yeah, and and like, look, the 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 three captains, Ryan Young, typically isn't in the game a tremendous amount of the time. Jeremy Roach is not a guy who's super vocal, so it's Tyrese Proctor who needs to be the vocal leader for this team. And I, I did, see, I, I agree with you. I saw that again and again from him. He was hunting his shot a bit more than he usually does, probing the probing the lane, probing the defense in ways that I love to see from him. He, you know, it's sort of the first time we've seen him do that since the injury. This is the Tyrese Proctor that we need. This is the Ty Tyrese Proctor we expected him to be. And hand in hand with Tyrese Proctor, we have to talk about Duke's ball handling. Because we we Duke only had four turnovers in this game. It was it was outrageous how good Duke was holding on to the ball. In, in a game where we only hit 43% of our shots, where we only offensive rebounded about 27% of our misses, which is, you know, not a not a great number, decent, not a bad it, number. Yeah, it's it, decent. You know, it's, yeah, it's fine, but it's not it's not great. We had to hold on to the ball to have a chance in this game. Because in the end, we ended up taking 63 field goal attempts. You know, this is my old favorite st stat, Donald. Mm -hmm. I don't talk about it enough these days. For folks who are new to the podcast, Jason loves field goal attempts. <laughs> Big stat that Jason pays attention to is field goal attempts. Duke had 63 field goal attempts. Georgia Tech only had 55. And that's despite the fact that we shot a ton more free throws than them. You know, usually, like, a free throw removes a field goal attempt. So, like... You know, the field goal attempt stat can be skewed by by free throws. Duke shot 28 free throws to only 12 for Georgia Tech. So we out-free throwed them by 16 attempts, and we outshot them and on field goals by eight attempts. That's the difference in the game. Put simply, Duke had more chances to score. <laughs> well, that's 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 the reason why you love that stat is because yeah. the more the more field goals you were able to attempt, the more likely that some of them will go in. And if you yeah. have more of those than the other team, you're going to win. But also, Jason, I think that that free throw free throw stat is actually, you know, more uh, more pronounced than you even made it out to be. They they went eight for twelve. Georgia Tech went eight for twelve from the line. Eight is the difference in the number of free throws they attempted and the number that we made. We made twenty. So yeah. that is a huge, huge difference for the fact that they were able to figure out a way to get to the line. And a lot of it, again, Kyle Filipowski was trying to get to the line. You know, Jeremy Roach trying to get to the line. But they were able to find ways to get, one, get Georgia Tech in the foul trouble, but also to get to the line where they knew that if the shot wasn't falling from the outside, the shot wasn't falling from the inside, of, you know, they're shooting 40%. They knew they were making their free throws, and they were able to get to the line as many times as they could to really keep, to keep them close and eventually pull away. Hey, I had two other things I want to do in the good. They're both kind of quick. Uh, the first one is I want to shout out Jalen Blakes, who had one assist, one rebound, one block shot, zero points, and one bad turnover. He had a bad turn. He had Duke's like only for a long time. It was the only turnover Duke had. Um, but anyway, yeah, one assist, one rebound, one block shot. Why am I shouting out Jalen Blakes? Because he's a difference maker on defense. Mm -hmm. And for a, for a, you know, he didn't play a ton of minutes, only nine minutes. He was plus nine in those nine minutes. And part of that was Duke just happened to get rolling at the right time, but he was a part of that getting rolling. But the biggest thing was I just saw him, as we often do, you just saw him being disruptive on defense, playing smart on defense, making life difficult for the guy he was guarding. And deep tease, Donald, play of the game. I'm going to be talking about Jalen Blakes and the play of the game. I think the play of the game, was the most important moment in the game. And Jalen Blakes was a key part of it. So I just wanted to mention him in the good. And then the last thing I wanted to do in the good really quickly, a uh, little shout out to John Shire. Because it took adjustments for Duke to figure out how to win this game. And I'm not saying John Shire is a coaching savant or genius yet. He's on his way. 
But I like some of the adjustments he made in this game. And he recognized, hey, it's Ryan Young, dude. Seems to be making a difference for us. <laughs> Better leave him in the game. Um, so, uh, you know, we don't often talk a lot about, about Shire. But I, I thought Duke's execution in this game uh, was, you know, you noticed it get better and better as the game went along. Um, the coaching staff didn't panic. The players didn't panic when Duke got down 10 points to Georgia Tech in the second half. And and honestly, I think a lot of Duke fans were panicking. <laughs> they kept their head on their shoulders. So I'm going to give a little tip of the cap to them as well. You have to, right? And, and I know, Jason, we received uh, an email from a listener about, uh, you know, shouting out John Shire when things are good because it feels like the only time other people, and I don't think we do this very often, but other people only really go after the coaching staff when things feel bad, right? When they don't like some of the coaching adjustments, some of that. So I'm glad you shouted that out because I think – I think those adjustments really started before the game, right? With with the announcement that Mark Mitchell is not going to play. You have to start figuring out how these are going to go from there. I think that meant, you know, early on they went at, at Kyle Filipowski and said, hey, let's see what he can do once he started cooking. And then there was other guys that, you know, were flowing into what was happening. I think the coaching staff and the players were great at seizing the moment. Right. The moment what was presented to them, they were able to react to it and seize it. And I think even when they got down, there were times where the coach said, hey, you know, we can get back into it. This is what you need to do as a basketball team. You're going to have some of these tough battles. Not every game is going to be a 70 point win. We would love that. But that's just not how how college basketball works. You're going to have some struggles. You have to overcome them. I think the team as a whole, led by the coaching staff, was able to do that. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. So. Let's pause it here. Let's take a quick break. On the other side, we'll get to some of the bad that happened from this game. We'll give out player of the game, play of the game, and player of the week honors. And a member of the Brotherhood is on the move. Just just announced a couple minutes ago. Find out who that is after this. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by Better Help. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. All right, Jason, we are back, and we are going to discuss some of the things that didn't go well in this game. And there's a lot. Again, there's a, a thing of details. I want to start with you with this. It felt like Georgia Tech, every single time we wanted to make a run or at least get some momentum, they would hit a shot. And it felt like they hit everything. A team that is normally hitting 30% from three for the season hit 55% from the game from three, hit almost 55% from the floor. And it just felt like our defense, it felt like was there. They were contesting some shots, but also it felt like at times the defense struggled. And I, I, I want to see from you because again, you got to watch the whole game. And de- what were the what were the details that you saw from there that led Georgia Tech to be able to kind of have the productive output on offense that they did? I mean, look, the the, the simple answer is that Bay and Dongo was outstanding in the middle and was able to uh, when when they put us in pick and roll with him. 
they were they were able to get good shots for him. He took a ton of sort of mid-range, like six to twelve to maybe maybe his 14 or 15 foot jumpers and just hit all of them. And Duke Duke just frankly did not have an answer for for that, you know, middle pick and roll. I can't explain it. I'm sure these guys have worked on it. It's one of the most basic plays in basketball. I think that I think that a lot of it was missing Mark Mitchell. I think there's no question about that. And you know that I, our rotations on defense were a little skewed because we basically had four guys six five and under, <laughs> several of them six three and under, and seven footer flip. And usually Duke is bigger than that. I mean, Mark Mitchell's six nine and and a and a very quick knows how to help, you know, kind of six nine. The 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 reality is A, Georgia Tech was hot, but more importantly, B, Duke just didn't have the personnel, I think, on the floor to be able to to impact them on defense. And you know, the pity was when I heard Mitchell was out, I was like, oh, maybe this is gonna be a game where Tyrese Proctor is able to to really get some serious minutes at the four and and provide a lift for this team. He played, you know, a little more than two minutes. Um, and and it was it was pretty clear that that he's just not a meaningful part of uh not he's just not a meaningful part of John Shire's rotation yet. And 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 as a result, I think Duke struggled in the first half because we couldn't figure out what we we're gonna do with that with that fourth starter position. Uh, you can you can make a pretty good argument that Mark Mitchell might be the single most irreplaceable starter. I'm not going to say he's he's I'm not saying he's the best player in the team, but everyone else I sort of have a good idea of how Duke functions without them. Look, we would we would struggle mightily if we didn't have Kyle Filipowski, but I can tell you right immediately, Ryan Young would play that position. We'd still run a lot of the offense through him because Ryan Young is really strong in the post. And 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 is a good passer. You know, I can still I can see how Duke would play without Kyle Filipowski. I can see how Duke would play without Jeremy Roach. We had to a little bit last night. I have trouble seeing how Duke plays without Mark Mitchell. And and we were forced to do that last night. And I hope you look. You know, we haven't really addressed the injury situation that much. We had several folks email us and say, "Hey, what do you guys know about the injuries?" I'm like, you know, no. hey, <laughs> John Shire hasn't returned my phone calls. You know. <laughs> <laughs> in the post in the post game press conference, John Shire uh, really didn't address the injuries very much, other than he said, "You know, we'll find out in the next couple of days." Uh, we we heard sort of in the pregame when we heard that Mark Mitchell would be missing, we heard that it it wasn't something serious, it wasn't something they expected to take a long time. I think it is really good that that Duke is uh, has got a has got the midweek game off this week. It gives Shire and Roach more time. I suspect I don't know for a fact. I suspect that what Jeremy Roach had was mostly a cramp. The fact that he tried to go back out there, Duke has really good doctors, really good team doctors. And if there was something structural, if there was something torn, if there was a serious sprain, I don't think they say to Jeremy Roach, yeah, go ahead and get back back out there, man. You good? <laughs> yeah. I think that that was a cramp and he thought he could fight his way through it. And then he realized he couldn't and they sat him down. Um. You know, the fact that he went to the locker room, came back out and went back in the game just says to me that that can't be something serious. Uh, again, because Duke wouldn't allow, the Duke medical staff would not allow that to happen. So I, I've rambled all over the place here on this on this question you asked me. Didn't you originally ask how did Jordan Tech hit so many shots? <laughs> Tech was hot. And Duke didn't have the right personnel to be able to contest them because we didn't have Mark Mitchell. It shows you how essential Mark Mitchell is to this team. Well, we saw that last year in the NCAA tournament against Tennessee. It was the first game that year that Mark Mitchell didn't start and we struggled on defense. And it's because, as you mentioned, there is no direct replacement for him uh, for what he brings, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, you can bring in some more offense, but the defense, I think his defense is still in a way underrated uh, if you think about it. So I, I really appreciate the fact that the defense was able to, rebound and and really just get back to uh its basics without him and and to 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 show that we can get a game under our belt without him on defense i think is great so the the issue that i saw uh with our defense is again sometimes we can 
sometimes let teams back into the game. And whether it be through shooting or through, you know, poor shot selection on the other end, I don't think we had a lot of poor shots uh, that we took. But I do think there's just this tendency to let teams get back into the game very quickly. And, yeah, Georgia Tech was hot. But there was that point in the first half where we built up a 10-point lead and everyone was like, okay, throughout the struggle of the first half, we have a 10-point lead, we're good. And it felt like in a span of about 45 seconds, it was back to a one-point game. Yeah, and it, it was, was because it was very quick. And so it's one thing if it's a, if it's a slow burn and they're like, hey, they're, we're missing a couple shots, they make a couple shots, they're getting back into it. It feels like the runs that we let the other teams have are very quick. And because of that, they are also momentum killers, and it takes a while to really get everybody back into the game. Even at a certain point, I thought Cameron, uh, it, it felt like on, on the radio, was super loud in the second half. In the first half during that run where they were, where Georgia Tech was able to close and then briefly take the lead before it tied at halftime, it just made everybody flat. It just made everybody kind of have to, you know, gasp and recollect themselves. So my hope is that in this week off, one, obviously Jer- Jeremy Roach and Mark Mitchell can get healthy uh, and, and we can see them back on the floor on Saturday. But also I want to see a focus on making it where when we do have a lead, make it where we can sustain that lead and, and use the time to our advantage, right? The one thing, when you have a big lead, the clock is going to be your friend. And making it where they are able to come down and have to use the entire shot clock to take a shot, if you make it, that's fine, but you still have that time element working against you. Instead of them coming down, being able to take a quick three, and making your lead disappear without a lot of time coming off the clock. I think that's the key to keeping momentum, even if you are struggling or if the other team is hot. Anything else in the bad before we before we move on? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I've got a few more items that I need to address. Let's go. Here. Let's go with it. Uh, let me start with the freshman guards, Caleb Foster and Jared McCain. Uh, Jared was still active. He was looking for a shot. McCain was, but he just couldn't knock it down in this game. And I, I, I thought his shot selection left something to be desired at times. He took too many long jumpers, in my opinion. Um, you know, a lot of them were in the range where he, it's probably a good shot for him. But, uh, you know, he he was missing a pretty fair number of those like, you know, 12 footers, that kind of stuff that he he sort of gets into the lane or near the lane and takes that little pull up. Uh, I'm not saying it's a terrible shot, um, but I think that maybe he can do a little better than that. And and look, he went over three on three pointers. That won't happen very often for him. But but there's no question that Jared McCain struggled to score. And Caleb Foster was, frankly, on offense, like almost a non-entity. I don't know how you play 28 minutes as the point guard with the ball in your hands, you know, a lot of the time and only take three shots. Um, I mean, Foster had four assists, but I, I don't know. I never really felt him impacting the game on offense and on defense. He was getting torched again and again and again. He had, he had a terrible, just a terrible foul on, uh, on miles Kelly taking a three pointer with like less than a second left in the shot clock. Um, uh, he, Caleb Foster's just God. He's got to be better than he was in this in this game. And and I, the two of them, I'm going to tie this to another thing I have in the bad, which is that I thought Kyle Filipowski and Jeremy Roach were forcing too much, and those two guys force when there's no one else providing scoring for Duke, when there's no one else providing creativity on offense for Duke, and. Look, they are a great one-two combo, and I expect them to take the majority of the shot. Not the majority, but, you know, be the two team leaders in field goal attempts virtually every game. I want them to be that, but they need – Duke needs a complementary scorer or two to go alongside them because when Roach and Filipowski feel like they need to take more and more and more of the offensive burden, they already have a huge offensive burden. When they get the sense no one else is doing it, I've got to help. I think that's when Duke gets into trouble. And, you know, I said I was going to mention Kyle Filipowski in the bad. Uh, you know, yeah, he had 30 points, but he took 24 shots. And and that's a lot. And there were a lot of them where he was just going in the post, banging into guys and hoping the refs were going to bail him out. Look, I'll admit that the refs, never bailed it like uh, the referees acc referees there's some hidden secret cabal rule that these guys have against calling kyle philip calling fouls that put kyle philip on the line 
it's it's unbelievable. There's just no one else I've ever seen who fails to get calls the way he does. And to his full credit, Flip doesn't complain. But man, there were a couple times he was literally in the sand. Like there were two guys. It was a Kyle Filipowski sandwich between two Georgia Tech defenders. And I'm like, how are they calling nothing? But he he struggled to finish through contact. No question about that for Flip in this game. And then Jeremy Roach as well. I, I just think that he was forcing a number of times when he was in the game. This team has got to have a third store, score slash creator, maybe a third and a fourth. Think about how much better the offense looked, how much better Duke started playing when Tyrese Proctor, about midway through that second half, became a third option. And then actually the reality is it wasn't because Jeremy, Jeremy Roach went out, so it wasn't a third. It was, he became our second, but – this Duke team has got to find, and, and and I get most games it's Jared McCain. Is that when Jared McCain struggled in this game, and with no Mark Mitchell, Duke had to find one more option on offense. And I, I started talking about Caleb Foster. It, it it was not Caleb Foster, and I think that was a problem. I think to flip it a little bit, uh, no no pun intended. To go back to the fact that you mentioned that Jeremy Roach and Kyle Filipowski felt like they had the you know kind of increase the burden on themselves to, to provide points, especially when we were struggling. The thing about it is that's where the leadership portion of things comes in because it shouldn't have to be that those guys take that burden alone, right? It has to be where someone has, they have to empower the rest of their team to say, hey guys, we need everybody to step up. I need you on this play. I need, you know, Jeremy McCain, I need your defense on this play. Whatever that is to get through and you kind of do it in micro bursts. You don't think about the next four minutes, which is a staple of Duke, right? We always talk about the four minutes between media timeouts, and we talk about winning those four minutes. Sometimes it's about winning the next 14 seconds. Sometimes it's about just winning that play. And, you know, I played basketball, and there's times where guys would come up to you and go, hey, man, like, I need you to provide defense on this guy for this play. Can you do it? And the answer, you're like, yes, I got your back, because you know that it, no matter what happens on the rest of the play, your job is to defend that guy. Your job is to provide that pick, whatever that is that makes the play successful, makes the defense successful or makes the offense successful. I think that the flip that I'm thinking about is that Kyle Filipowski and Jeremy Roach and, and Tyree Proctor, those guys need to coordinate and communicate to the rest of the guys that, hey, I need you on this play. The way that we relieve the burden on those two guys is to make where everyone feels like they are contributing to a play, even if it is Kyle Filipowski or Jeremy Roach has taken the shot. So that's something that it, it takes time, right? And I think working guys back into the offense, again, we're missing Mark Mitchell. That provides another layer, even on offense, right? People, we, we talked about his offensive struggles this season, but there's still a portion of, hey, Kyle Filipowski is not going to be the only one down there because Kyle Filipowski can dump it off to awaiting Mark Mitchell, who has been waiting there in the wings to dunk the ball or lay it in off the glass all season long. And he wasn't there yesterday to do that. So in the absence of him, you turn to somebody else and you go, hey, Tyrese, I need you to make this pick. I don't need you to take the shot. I don't need you to worry about that. I don't need you to worry about the pass. I need you to worry about this pick. Jared McCann, I need you to be in the corner. You know, Caleb Foster, I need you to, to hit that pick hard. When, when, that, when, when Tyrese Proctor sets that pick on you, come off of it hard. Because when you do, your guy's going to scramble and it's going to leave two guys open. Those little things, and that's where I think the, the coaching adjustments come through, and I think they did well down the stretch. I think that's where this team can be a little bit better. Those attention details can do that. So I, I'm, I'm very happy that you brought that up because I think that's something that could easily be worked on. I'm sure that's going to be a point of emphasis on this week off. Okay, we are done with the bad, I think. Let's move to play of the game. And Jason, I know you have a different play of the game than I do. So I'm going to start with my play of the game. Go for it. In the second half. And this was a fun play. Kyle Filipowski is guarding in the impost. He reaches out, steals the entry pass uh, from Georgia Tech, puts his hand in the passing lane, grabs it, dribbles the length of the floor, has two guys collapsing on him on the fast break. He does a Euro step past both of them and finishes the layup with the two guys still trying to figure out how to get in the air with him. Um, I thought that was a terrific play and also kind of shows the comments that, that we have in, in Kyle Sopowski to run the fast break and finish strong. And he's, again, you mentioned some of his struggles in finishing with contact. There was a lot of contact on that play. There was no foul called uh, because apparently the ACC believes that Kyle Filipowski was not born with a head. Um, so you can't, you can't have a flagrant one by hitting him in said head, but 
he was able to finish through that contact, and I thought that was a really good play. All right, so my play of the game, I, I already teased this earlier, down seven in the second half. Score is 53 to 46. Georgia Tech is on top. And Miles Kelly, Georgia Tech's best player, comes in the lane for a short jumper that looks like, look, man, he hit that stuff all game long. And Jalen Blakes came just out of nowhere to block it. I mean, like, it was just it, – it, it's – it's one of those plays that Jalen Blakes makes that, frankly, there's no other player, there's no other guard on Duke who can make that play. It's just, yeah, period. We're all done <laughs> if it's not Jalen Blakes. Um, Kyle Filipowski grabbed it, sent it ahead to Jeremy Roach, who made the layup and was fouled. It turned into a three-point play. Cameron went crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could almost feel my TV shaking. It was so <laughs> loud. <laughs> and that was... A huge, huge moment in the comeback. I have that as my play of the game, but I could also go about a minute and a half or so later in the game when um, Kenzie Reeves was was dribbling the ball and suddenly Jeremy Roach was dribbling it instead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it happened. It was like he's dribbling the ball and suddenly Roach reached out and Roach started dribbling it instead. I just like, well, I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> now you see it, now you don't. Right, Roach went down. He, he missed the layup, but... Man, I've talked about him a lot. I can't talk about him too much, though. Ryan Young was the guy who had hustled down there to get the rebound and, and put up the rebound basket, and it gave Duke our first lead in a long time. You know, Tech had, Tech was up 10, like, just a couple of minutes before that, and suddenly we came back and we had the lead. I want to point out that when the play started, Ryan Young was well behind the play. <laughs> I mean, how did our how is our center? Probably the slowest guy on the floor. Look, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe he, he could get in a he get in a foot race, perhaps with with Flip. Would be interesting to see. But I, I have a feeling that Ryan Young is probably the slowest regular on this team. And I don't know how Ryan Young managed to be the guy to get down there and get that rebound. But man, he did. There was no other Duke player when Jeremy Roach missed the layup. There was no one else who had a shot at it other than Ryan Young. And uh, man, uh, both those plays. There were several really, really great plays in the, in that Duke comeback in the second half, um, but but those are my two favorites. It is a scientific fact that hustle can add forty miles an hour to your running speed. It it science science agrees with me. Don't don't check it, please don't check it. Uh, okay, we're gonna go with the player of the week, Jason. In three, two, one, who is it? Kyle Filipowski. Okay, good. Just so we're on the same page there. I don't think we need to go into any anything further about that now. Before we close out, Jason, I want to mention to the uh, to the folks out there that, you know, if you're following the Dukies in the NBA, obviously we are the Brotherhood. It's all over your TV almost every single day. There is there is some Blue Devil that is playing in the NBA on TV. And there is a trade like five minutes before Jason and I jumped on to record. Marvin Bagley III was traded along with Isaiah Livers and two second-round picks, the 2025 and 2026 picks, from the Detroit Pistons to the Washington Wizards for Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala. Now, Marvin Bagley III is joining Tyus Jones in D.C., and funny enough, those two teams play each other in D.C. tomorrow. So they're just going to be – they're still going to uh, D.C. There's going to be in a different locker room than they were before. Uh, Jason, real, really quickly, thoughts on – I know you haven't really watched too much of the Pistons because, uh, as I can tell you, there's not a lot to watch with them, but your thoughts on Marvin Bagley joining Tyus Jones in D.C.? Well, so I, I think it gives him an opportunity that he didn't he he sort of didn't otherwise have because he frankly was not playing very much in Detroit. Detroit has a lot of of pretty young big men uh, mm -hmm. that, that they are rotating through. And and look, the you know, Pistons are not, are not good. They're not good. <laughs> They're really bad. Uh, it, it's a problem if you're a Marvin Bagley and you're not getting time on a team that's really bad. But it's sort of the reality of sort of, uh, you know, of what their rotations were like there and, and who they're trying to develop. He'll get more of a chance on Washington. I think it's, I think it's entirely possible he'll probably be sort of the backup center to Dan Daniel Gafford. Um, uh, you know, I I don't know that he's going to play much power forward, but Bagley, frankly, hasn't been playing much power forward in the NBA. He's mostly he's mostly been playing as a as a center, sort of as a a small ish kind of center, mm -hmm. and, and I think he'll have more opportunities on Washington. I certainly think that a, a change of scenery is good for him. Bagley has has never developed into the player that I think a lot of folks thought he could become. Um, he's he's good on offense in the NBA. He's 
he's frankly a minus defender. He's just not a good defender. I mean, and that was the book on him when he was when he was at Duke as well. But but he's going to get more playing time, I think, in Washington. And I hope he can figure some things out. And and I think playing with a point guard like Ty, Tyus is really really good at finding his teammates when they're in good spots, and that could help him out as well. Yeah, and unfortunately for for Marvin Bagley, he's moving from a team that is the worst team in the NBA to a team that is the most unserious team in the NBA and the Washington Wizards a lot. <laughs> if you've seen some Jordan Poole much, Jordan, Jordan Poole, oh Kyle Kuzma, like there's a lot going on in DC. They also only have seven wins. So for, for him, this is about, you know, again, getting that playing time and really trying to focus in on some of the things that will keep him on the floor. You mentioned his offense has been very good. Uh, even with the Pistons, he was, you know, coming off the bench, you know, in several games and having, double-digit points, you know, maybe a few rebounds and a couple of blocks. But he needs to be the guy that provides energy to a team that has otherwise been playing very much unseriously uh, in the NBA uh, so far this season, with Tyus Jones accepted. Because Tyus Jones has been kind of the leader trying to get this team into, uh, into you know, serious mode at times, but it just hasn't been working out so far. Maybe adding another Brotherhood member to the mix will help Tyus Jones kind of get everybody uh, together and as he can lead. but. Make no mistake, he, he's moving from a very difficult situation to another one uh, in Washington, and hopefully he's able to uh, thrive at least in this particular new setting. Yeah, it, by the way, it's worth noting, I mean, Marvin Bagley has averaged double-figure scoring every single season of his career. But look, the biggest thing with him is just get healthy, man. Yeah. His rookie year, he played 62 games. Since then, he's never played 50 games in the season. You know, part of it is sometimes there have been some teams that haven't had him, you know, sort of like the Pistons did, haven't haven't had him sort of as as a heavy minute guy in their rotation, so he doesn't necessarily play in every game. But man, I mean, he has the the degree to which he has struggled with injuries, the degree to which he can just not get on the floor for extended periods of time. Um, it, it's been a problem for a guy who has just unbelievable talent. It's it's a pity that he hasn't been able to get healthy enough to be able to show that talent at the next level. Inconsistency, because in the NBA, even more so than college, if you have 15 points one night and eight points the next, you're not playing. Like it's it's very he has to kind of have more of a, a head of yeah. hey, I need to get in and, and get my numbers because if I don't, then they're going to put me on the bench and 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 some other guy goes out for 25, there goes your minutes, and that that's just kind of how. Uh, the NBA goes this play every week, but I, I wish him the best of luck. I know for Wizards fans, uh, Duke DC, we actually have a, a a meeting greet next week, so hopefully we can see uh, Major uh, uh, Marvin Bagley join Tyus Jones at that. I will be at that as well, and we'll leave it there on episode 582 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. Thank you as always for everyone uh, who tuned in to listen. Again, you can reach us online at Duke Roundup. You can f- also email us your wonderful headlines as you did for this game dbrpodcast at gmail.com we will be back later this week to preview the pit game another another chance for to see pit in the next two weeks but we'll preview that game later this week but until then he is jason evans i am donald wine and now it is time for the duke band to play us out and take us home